Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 32 with Renee Dahring on healthcare in corrections. and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute, where since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. And to learn more, please visit npbusiness.com and theclinicianbusinessinstitute.com. Today I'm interviewing nurse practitioner Renee Dahring. Her name might be familiar with you as she was a guest on our episode number 14, where we talked about getting that perfect job, especially if you're a new graduate. This time around, we're talking about working in corrections. As it turns out, a lot of nurse practitioners work as independent contractors, contracting directly with correctional facilities or the agencies that handle health care in jails and prison. And others will work for a company that provides services for various correction facilities. And in some cases, this may be a good start as a new graduate, which you'll hear Renee talk about. Now, corrections for me has never really been an interest of mine. However, I learned a lot during this interview. And if I was in a different place in my career, I might even consider looking at being an NP in corrections. So I'm curious as to what you think after listening to this interview. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Barbara, and I want to thank you again for having me on the podcast. I really enjoy listening to all these, and of course, I enjoy being your guest as well. Um, But the story of how I got into it actually isn't very glamorous or um, noble, Um, but 20 years ago when I graduated as an FNP, it was a time when there just really wasn't a lot of jobs for nurse practitioners. Here in this area, they weren't necessarily very well known yet, Um, and so I was frantically looking for a job and I came across a locum's job working in a prison and I thought well you know I give this a try I guess I met with the the um, folks who um, were in charge of the company that provided the medical care to the prison they were the people looking for the locums and um it kind of laid it out to me, and it, it actually turned out to be a, a good job for a new graduate. And um, they assured me that, you know, I had backup. Um, and one of the nice things that I remember them saying to me at that time, too, because I was, uh, you know, I was new. I was green. And they said, well, you know, the beauty of this is, is if you see someone and, you you know, you, you're not sure what's going on, you want to try this treatment or that treatment, you, you can see them again the next day or the day after that. They're not going anywhere. You know, and and I thought, okay, yeah, that that sounds all right. Um, and so I I took the position on a locum's basis, um, and it turned out I really enjoyed it. Um, I ended up staying with that particular position for, I think it was three years, almost four. In fact, I was doing locum so long they they all forgot I didn't actually work for them. Um, and they, they thought I was a, like one of the regular employees. But I actually went around to a few different prisons 
um, filling in mainly when people were gone. And at that time, they didn't have enough of their own staff. So I was kept pretty steadily working. But I actually really, really came to like it once you get to know the system and and so on it, it it's actually a very enjoyable job so when you were doing this as locums were you was it at, at that were you an employee of the company or were you an independent contractor because i know later on you just contracted yourself is that correct right yeah. right i actually was um, an employee of a local staffing company that was very, very small. In fact, it was about the only contract she had. It was kind of a hobby business mm-hmm. for a fr- of a friend of mine, which I actually ended up running and building with her into a national company. Um, but I continued to work the corrections contract because I liked it. I mean, it did get to a point where the company was successful enough that I didn't have to do that. But I, I did enjoy the corrections um, and the relationships that I had built, not with the inmates, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but with the other nurses. I mean, you do build, you know, professional relationships with inmates. But, you know, I did I did very much enjoy it, um, unlike, you know, working in, you know, the, what we call the free world, those of us in corrections. You, um, you can see the results of interventions you try you can see things over time you know um, a lot of people out in out in the community are just lost to follow-up and you don't know what happens and so you know that was that was a, a good experience for me too but yeah at that time I was was a um, employee of the company so they were getting the money and then pay, paying me essentially and then but you were saying I think you were saying when we were talking before that um, a lot of nurse practitioners are independent contractors when they're doing this. And as an yes, independent the, contractor, it, we're business. So being that this is a Business mm-hmm. Matters podcast, let's talk about that aspect of it. Yeah, you know, I first became aware of that as I was doing the locums and I met another nurse practitioner who would be there sometimes too. And I asked her, well, you know, who do you work for? Because I somehow I thought we were the only company that had the contract. And she said, oh, I just contract on my own. And I work for them. And I thought, oh, <laughs> you can do that? Um, you know, because of course, you know, a company takes a little bit off the top. And so, I, you know, I kind of kept thinking about that. And then, you know, eventually we became a full practice state, um, which really made it a lot easier. At that time, the company that ran the medical care was was fine with being her collaborating physician is what we called it here in Minnesota. Um, and, and that, so she didn't have to go out and hire someone to, to be a collaborating physician. So the independent contracting thing, for me anyway, didn't come to a little further down the line until we stopped needing these collaborative agreements, because otherwise you'd have to pay your own salary, you'd have to pay a physician a salary, you know, just to say they're your collaborating physician, because that's kind of what was going on. I mean, they they didn't have to do anything except sign an agreement with you that nobody ever saw unless something, you know, happened. Um, it wasn't filed with the Board of Nursing or anything like that. But they did charge a lot. A lot of physicians charged a lot of money for it. Um, and then, in fact, when I went to um, work locally in the jails, um, uh, the physician that I was working with at that time, who was also my collaborating physician, just before full practice authority came, he decided he was going to retire. <laughs> I almost had to retire with him because, you know, what are you going to do for a collaborating physician? But thankfully, we became a full practice state, um, which allowed that. And and after that, then I started exploring, you know, just being an independent contractor. And some correctional companies will give you the option if you want to do that or be be an employee. Um, so I'm not sure if you're aware how working in corrections is um, there's there's a lot of different models that go into correctional health care. Um, there are companies that specialize in correctional health care. They're almost, I, I don't even know what the equivalent it is, except for maybe when you think about corporate health care, how somebody comes in and has a little clinic and manages everything. Because in prisons and jails, um, the the inmates insurance it's not if they have insurance not applicable while they're while they're in custody and they can't get um like 
medical assistance or anything like that all stops too when they're in custody. Same with veterans benefits. That's all, all stops. And we become responsible for all their expenses. So if you're in a prison, it's a state. If you're in a um, jail, it could be the sheriff, could be the county. Um, and so these companies are out there. And so you most of the time you will end up working directly for the company. Every now and then you have some places that directly employ you um, as a nurse practitioner. Um, some states may do that, um, but it isn't very common. And so, you know, you end up end up working like that. And some of those companies, again, will give you an option to be a 1099 or to be, um, or to be a um, salaried employee, you know, paid by the hour or whatever you negotiated. I've done it numbers of ways. Um, and, you know, and there's benefits to both. Um, one of the nice things if you're 1099, as you know, is that you can, um, you can deduct a lot more expenses. Um, I would deduct my mileage to and from the jail. Um, one jail was maybe about 25 miles away. You know, over the course of a year, that kind of adds up. I can deduct, you know, costs of, of um, my insurance because you have to carry your own malpractice, especially when you're working in a correctional facility. Um, you, you know, there, it, is a, it is a hairy area where there can be a lot of litigation. And so the, you have to carry policies that... Um, that have pretty high limits on them. Luckily, I have never, never had to use mine. Um, but, you know, then you can deduct all of that. Um, any of your business expenses, you know, your your accountant, counting fees and different things like that. Um, so there's some benefits to doing it that way as well. Um, you know, and you can, and you eliminate that middleman. Then if you're working for a locums company, they're taking a cut off the top. Um and so oftentimes, too, you know, if you're going to contract with, with some place, um, you can come in, um, you can come in and save them some money because they're not paying a middleman anymore. Mm-hmm. And they appreciate that. And it gives you some control over your own life as well. Um, and that, that's probably my, my preferred way to work. Um, so... I wanted to, I was looking at taking it another way, but I wanted to check with you first. Um, with the changes in independent contracting, how many of the states are, are looking at that? Are you aware of how that might affect Minnesota or the prisons there with the independent contracting? Are you familiar with those ABC laws and that sort of thing? No, no. I know that for me, I, I it hasn't changed anything okay. that I'm aware of. Of course, I have an accountant who does okay. all that piece for me. Yeah, um, Be- but I still ended up coming out better in terms of autonomy. Well, and, of course you do. So of on. course you do. Mm-hmm. It's just with the independent contracting in um, some states, unless you are free of any kind of direction. And like mm-hmm. some states are even carrying it further where y- like as a nurse practitioner, I could not go in as an independent contractor to a facility that is providing healthcare because that's what I do on a regular basis. So interesting. Yes. So if I was a clinic, I could have an independent contractor who's the contractor or who's, you know, the construction or the landscaper or the IT people, but an independent contractor could not be people providing health care. So that's what we're starting oh. to see in a lot of states. And that's interesting because I, um, you know, one of the other things that I do quite frequently, because I have been in corrections so long, mm-hmm. is I do a lot of expert witness work. Mm-hmm. And I do find a lot of states when I get these cases and, you know, they, they've deposed the, the nurse practitioners that work there. And I read through the depositions and I, I find that there are many, many of them are working independent contracts. They're not through a company. Right. They've contracted directly. Some, however, do contract with the medical director. Okay. And so it sort of follows this right. different pathway. Yeah, it's just on the, um, I was going to take us down that road where we're starting to see the new laws. Not many places are enforcing it yet, but the whole mm. reason that they're there, and so you know it's going to be enforced, is because states lose revenue 
because those independent contractors don't pay their taxes. And the state wants that revenue. And the only way to get that then is to make all these people employees. Interesting. And if you read the IRS rules, it's always been there. It just hasn't been enforced. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that, you know, that that's an interesting point. I'll have to ask a little bit more about that because that would be, in many ways, that could be very devastating to corrections because, you know, sheriffs don't want to employ medical people. Right. Of course. They, they don't want to be uh, well, the boss of a nurse and, or an NP or any, and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why they subcontract. Actually, sort of. that's that's the issue then. It's not that the the jail is not providing healthcare services per se, they contract people to do it. And so maybe that's how they're going to get away with it. Okay. Could so be. I'll just. Um, because that would be really hard on our industry yeah. because uh, many of the physicians, if it's a small yeah. jail, for instance, might just have a contract with the jail and then go there to provide health care right. for them. Right. But, what, um, but where this is coming hmm. into place is if I have a big clinic and I want to, I mean, California was reeling with this because, you know, a surgical center. Guess how they get people to come in and do anesthesia? Well, oh, yeah. They, they contract a lot. CRNAs are exactly. probably the grandparents of that exactly. model. Exactly. <laughs> and so they, um, so it's, it's a big, big, big issue. And in California, when they instituted this law, um, they, they um, exempted physicians, but not NPs or PAs. Interesting. So that's why I'm, I was just asking. But we'll we'll leave mm-hmm. that part. Um, well, uh, in our state, anyway, because we are our, our Minnesota coalition has a lobbyist at the Capitol. We would be on if they tried to cut us out with physicians. Right. You know, because in terms of the law, we are. It, you know, I, I don't like that word independent, mm-hmm. but, we, you know, we have similar standing right. as like physicians and so mm-hmm. on. And as as workers, you can't mm-hmm. um, eliminate a group from that. Right. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah, keep, I have to keep, take a look at that. Keep your ears out and eyes out for the ABC mm-hmm. rules for employment. ABC. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Renee, on on terms of the independent contracting, if, you know, one of the things we've previously talked about is is really how would you go ahead and uh, go about doing that with a a prison or a jail? Well, you know, first of all, you have to have the skills um, to be an independent contractor. Um, And... You know, I, I, I've i worked for so long now that, that obviously I do have those skills. Um, correctional health care, you know, is unique in many ways. I mean, health care is sort of health care, but, but it is a, a unique environment that you have to be able to understand and, um, you know, kind of come in and be able to get up to speed fairly quickly. Um, that is one thing that they're going to expect of you as an independent contractor is that, you know, they're not going to handhold you through a lot. So you have to have some experience to be able to sell that and to be able to get a wage that's going to make it worth your while. Um, but then you also need to kind of have the connections because this isn't something they're going to put, you know, an ad on uh, Monster for. Um, you know, so it's usually a word of mouth kind of thing. Um, so if you have um, friends who work in corrections or, or something like that, they can, can direct you to the right um, person. Um, uh, one of the independent um, contracts that I got, actually, the people approached me after we have a, a state correctional conference every year, and I was speaking. And afterwards, they came up and asked me, would you ever be interested in contracting with us? Um, they had just a, a physician that was there who wanted to cut back his hours. And uh, I ended up contracting directly with them, um, which was another like I said, the models of correctional health care are really, um, you know, uh, many. Um, and you wouldn't know this unless you sort of get in there and you start finding people and asking questions. But in this case, I was contracting with public health because public health um, provided the nursing services um, to the jail. So I was not contracting directly with a sheriff. Um, 
so I was I was contracting with their public health department. Um, so it's again another model that 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 um, of the many many different models we have in correctional healthcare. I often get asked that too by, you know, even some locum companies and so on. Well, how do you know how? Who do you contact? I, you know, it depends. Every jail probably has a different model of how they're providing the care. Can you give some examples of those different models? Um, one is to hire a correctional healthcare company. Um, some of the bigger jails will do that. Um, and what they do, they may provide both the nurses and the providers, or they may just do one of those. Those are called split contracts. Um, very often, public health will provide the nurses, and then the company will provide the providers. And um, there's companies out there, um, one called Centurion, which is, you know, well, they're actually all over the world. Um, there's, um, I'm trying to think of Horizon is another one. Um, and then there's some smaller regional ones that that are out there. Um, they, they, you know, oftentimes if you go to their different websites and so on, you'll see them running ads um, for folks. Um, and they're much like a like I said, they're sort of like a, a company that might come in and do corporate health care where they establish a clinic and then provide services to employees. Well, this establishes a clinic inside a jail and then provides the services to the inmates. Um, sometimes it is a local health system. One of our big jails in Minnesota uses, uh, there's a hospital located not many blocks away, and that hospital is actually running the clinic. And so um, they, they're tied in with the hospital system. Those people are all hospital employees, actually, um, that work work over in the jail, both the nurses and the providers. Then you get out into smaller communities. Um, we do have a correctional health care company who's Minnesota-grown, who does run a lot of our smaller jails. Uh, like I said, that's kind of a regional company. Um, the area you're from, Missouri, I think there's one called Southern Health Partners. They tend to do a lot of... Um, correctional health care in jails. And so you get into these smaller jails that really can't, can't, don't have enough inmates to kind of make that kind of model work or for those companies to bother with, quite honestly. They might contract with a little local clinic where the somebody comes over, you know, maybe they have 30 inmates. The, somebody will come over once or twice a week or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, there's lots and lots of models. Some will... Um, you know, just kind of get anybody who's available. Um, it, but it all depends upon the size. Now here in Minnesota, we don't have the size of jails or prisons that some states do. You know, we don't have a Rikers Island. Um, and and so, uh, yeah, they, I mean, the models are just, just endless of, of how it could come to be. Um, and some of them make it, you know, work for a long time and then things happen and they decide to go a different direction and some will try a company and then say they get tired of a company and they'll go back to just using maybe a local um, couple of providers. Uh, maybe usually there's a physician who maybe is semi-retired or, you know, um, something like that. That that Because the beautiful thing about working in corrections for somebody who's thinking about this, I mean, it's a great career. I, I've loved it. Is that we don't deal with insurance. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> yeah. That is the bane of a lot of I, people's know, existence. It really is. There's not coding and there's not, you know, all these different things like that. We do um, um, have oftentimes if you're working you know, either independently contracting with a company or whatever. There might be a formulary or some steps for offsite referrals or something, but it's one process. You only have to learn one process. Um, and so, you know, that alone um, frees up a lot of time that, you know, many people in, in the free world wish they could have to spend with a patient. Um, you're not limited by that sort of thing. If you want to, you know, your visit goes long, it goes long. Um, if you want to see him, you know, every day that week, you can see him every day that week. Um, and, and that, you know, is sort of getting to do things the way you'd always hoped you could do them. Um, you know, we still try to meet, meet, you know, some of the, um, you know, the goals, keep people up, 
to date on, especially in a long-term setting like a prison, and maybe people are listening don't know the difference between a prison and a jail, but a prison is if you have committed a felony and they're run by the state, you go to a prison. If you are being held um, pending trial or sentenced to less than a felony, that's a jail. Um, so jails do, you know, if somebody's living there, say for five, 10 years, you know, then it's very like primary care. You still have to meet, you know, those, those, um, milestones and different things that, that people have, um, you know, controlling hypertension and so on. Jails, depending, are usually a, a lot more focused on acute, um, because we know they're not staying. The average stay in a jail is something like three to four days. Um, but some people do stay for a few weeks, and oftentimes we're dealing with conditions that have spun way out of control because they were just not taking care of themselves before they came in, and we get them reestablished on, say, blood pressure or diabetes medications or something like that. Um, sometimes they have wounds from things that have happened prior to arrest or during arrest or whatever. Um, and so, you know, there's like there's a lot of variety, too, which is what's really interesting as well. I think in the first year in a prison, I probably saw, you know, a good chunk of the things they told me I'd never see when I was in school. Um, and, and it, you know, I found it very interesting. Um, and it's also, you know, it's a, it's a group of people that really need healthcare. So, you know, you really feel like you're accomplishing something because these are people that really need health care and maybe don't give it a lot of thought until they're incarcerated and, and many, you know, have, have substance abuse issues and they're off the substances and so on. And then these things start to reveal themselves. And then they're in a, in a frame of mind to want to get better, make their life better. Um, and so um, that, that is um, a plus, um, too. I mean, because you really feel like you're accomplishing something. And like I said, if they're there for a while, you can certainly see the results of what you're accomplishing. Um, because, you know, many are not going anywhere. And, and you can see you can see them getting better. There's been many that, you know, have come in um, in bad, bad shape. And by the time they've left um, whatever facility I was working in, they were, you know, they were in a lot better shape and you hope that it sticks and you know you have time to do your education things that doesn't don't always you know uh, don't always happen in a 15 minute visit in the community but again you can take you can take the time you need if you don't finish your list they come up with a list for you every day you know you can do it the next day because they're there um that said, I haven't had to do that much, but it, the, the pace is, is much more manageable. Um, I think that the environment is um, interesting too. I mean, if you really want a team approach, I mean, you work so closely with the nurses. The nurses are really the backbone of a jail or prison because they're if it's a bigger one, they're there around the clock. They know what's going on. They know the story. They're seeing the inmates, you know, more frequently. And they hear hear from the unit, however, how things are going. Um, and so, you know, you have that, that rapport with them. If you have other providers that come in, say your mental health, um, many, ha we have psychiatrists that come in. I can sit down and have a conversation with a psychiatrist if I'm concerned about something. Um, I can have a conversation with a dentist, with a physical therapist. I mean, we, it, it's been described as a true healthcare home because there's no medical care, healthcare, medical care, whatever you want to call it, nursing care, that is going to go on in there that you don't know about. It's not like they're getting it from somewhere that, you know, else. Um, and so you really can do a um, very holistic um, type of approach, um, which I really, really like. I mean, I've really valued the times when I can sit down even just with the mental health workers and, you know, say, you think something something's going on, you know, and they can go out and meet with them and, you know, and even, in the, even when facilities that have like, say, chaplains that come in and so on, you can really kind of do the whole whole um, spectrum, um, you know, of types of interventions of, of of what people need. Um, we have a large, you know, native population here in Minnesota, and they do have at one of the prisons, they come in and they do um, sweat lodges. Oh. Um, you know, so you have that, you know, if, if traditional medicine is not really 
working for some things, then they perhaps you address the spiritual side. Um, but it, it, you know, it's that's one of the things that I've liked about it. Um, you know, there's there's things obviously that you know you're working in a very controlled environment. It's locked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're on camera all the time. Doors open for you. <laughs> Elevators run without you. <laughs> some of that, I, I find myself sometimes walking up to a door and waiting for somebody to talk to me on an intercom because <laughs> I'm so used to being buzzed through listening for the click of the lock. Or I'll get in an elevator because in the corrections, you don't run the elevator. You know, somebody watching you from afar does. So and, you get uh, in there and stand again, there, right? <laughs> you get in and you look at the little camera up in the corner and you hold up how many fingers for whichever floor you want to go to until they get to know you and know where you're going. Um, but yeah, I'll sometimes find myself, I'll get in an elevator and I'm saying, like, oh yeah, I can push the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> so, so since you addressed, you know, the environment, um, any safety concerns? You know, I've always felt quite safe, quite honestly. Um, you know, I did some urgent care in the community. I also worked at, when I was a nurse, before I became a nurse practitioner, worked in one of the um, big um, um, uh, hospitals here in the Twin Cities um, that that was like our trauma one center and so on. And I, I actually feel safer in corrections. I know they're not carrying a gun. Mm. I know, I mean, yes, there's shanks and things like that, you know, that can happen. Generally, they're, they're very appreciative of the healthcare staff. Um, We're not the folks um, doing the custody side. So we don't have that same Mm -hmm. sort of relationship that they might with custody people. Um, But, you know, you do, you do have to be mindful of things too. And, I worked in corrections was probably about 18 years. And the, for the first time, I, I saw a nurse get um, punched by an inmate. And that's once in almost 20 years. Um, and that was devastating. Um, but my ER um, colleagues tell me that happens all the time in the, in the emergency yeah, room. Yeah, I was, I was going to say we've got an officer. Yeah. yeah, we've got an officer five feet right. away. So, you know, and they know, generally the facility knows who's acting up or having, you know, likely to, to, to um, strike out at you or something like that, that they're just really having a bad time or something like that. And then they'll, perhaps they'll, you'll have to see them in handcuffs or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so the officers are pretty keyed into that. But yeah, I, I've oftentimes felt much, much more safe mm-hmm. um, um, inside i i, I can outside. certainly see why I, I you know any any of us who have spent time in an er or a inner city major trauma center yeah. um we've seen all all sorts of of situations that may or may not have been particularly safe or may not have been particularly safe so so, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I can, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I remember when I started. Yeah, at our inner city hospital, when I was a new grad nurse and being toured through the, you know, the, all of them have those tunnels that go in the basement. Right. Oh, look! Oh, yeah, you can see the shotgun mark or the 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 gunshot in the wall there. And you know, I'm like, you don't have that prison or a jail. I mean, yeah, officers, correctional officers don't carry guns. Okay. Um, all right. Well, you know, even even outpatient clinics these days, we've all seen the stories mm-hmm. of somebody shooting up the place because... Yes. Happened here in Minnesota, as a matter of fact. One guy a few months ago went in and started shooting up. And I remember that too. And I, w- I was sort of, at the same time, I was doing some locums and an urgent care too. And every now and then you get this just, you know, you know how you get those patients who just want right. to, I don't know argue or something and I remember you know like out of reflex kind of looking around like where's the officer where's the officer <laughs> like nope <laughs> there's nobody to just you know if, if you're if you know somebody's prone to acting up in in medical you have a conversation mm-hmm. perhaps with your your officer in the unit in the healthcare mm-hmm. unit and you say you know if this person gets out of line I'm going to let you step in um, because I don't I don't want to be the bad guy right. I, don't, I don't want that kind of relationship with an inmate I want the, the you know to be to be the healthcare person, the helper, right. or whatever. So you know, you always have that person to come in and like, hey, settle down. You know, stop. Don't use that language with them, or they're just trying to help. You know, and you can 
kind of be the good person. Right, right. Good cop, um, bad cop. Yet they, they're able to settle them yeah. down. And they know it too. I mean, like I said, I would say overwhelmingly um, they perceive health services as um, as as a place that can go for some kindness, you know, and, and that cares about them. And, um, you know, it's very different than, you know, when they're not inside health services. Right. And so, yeah, they're generally very appreciative. Yeah. In fact, I have, I have inmates that have far better manners than some of the people I would meet in the community. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, yeah. ma'am. Have a blessed day, ma'am. You yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're, they're just, yeah. Just nice. folks now, nice. yeah. you know, I know they've done some things. They've done some things, but yeah, you but know, that's different. You, you hope people change. That's different. Yeah, that's different. I, I always say I, I don't decide, you know, whether this person's good or bad. I just basically look at how is my interaction with them. That's all I want is a decent interaction. Right. I mean, you have to kind of keep your, your, um, expectations more along those lines it's it it would be very inappropriate to think you know you're going to become friends Mm -hmm. you know or friendly um as you would in the outside world um with a patient i mean you have to keep it very very professional um so you know my my goal or hope is a good interaction with them mm-hmm. that that's sufficient mm-hmm. for me I don't need a you know tons of praise or anything like that I just want to know that I did a good job right well and that's um, that's the same in a, yeah. in a any kind of an outpatient setting mm-hmm. but some people really get their sort of their um I don't what what's the word I'm looking for their uh can't think of a word the right word for it but validation mm-hmm. from that right. you know what I mean and, that, and that's probably not the way to gauge it if you're in corrections you just you have to be the kind of person that knows you know I did a good job right um well I, I, and, and I that's think looking for validation for from patients is a whole nother issue that we can discuss another yes. time because there's there is a yeah there. yeah so you had mm-hmm. mentioned that you started uh in corrections as a new graduate. And yes. in, our, um, in your last visit to the podcast, you know, we spoke about mm-hmm. your other role of being that NP career coach and how, um, you know, particularly new graduates can find jobs. And I think I shared with you that I recently had um, a post on the blog, and this is also a I get emails on this still from for NPs who have not been able to find that NP job. Mm-hmm. Is corrections still an option for new graduates? Absolutely, absolutely. But you know, you, as a new graduate, again, you have to be careful about the correctional set, setting that you go into. I went into a prison where there are other providers. Um, because the prison system's large. If there's not one on site with you, there's many days where I was on site alone as the NP. I mean, you have a whole nursing staff, of course. But, you know, at the other prison that's, you know, say 50, 80 miles away or whatever, there's there's another provider you could call and talk to. Um, there's a medical director who was very supportive at that time, um, you know, to be able to call and talk to. Again, it's it's a little bit different than if you're sitting in a clinic. I can tell them go back to your unit, and I'll get back to you. You know, you you don't do that in a, in a family practice clinic. You don't tell your patient go home while I talk to some other people, and you know, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. You know, just say, well, you know, I got a, a few things I got to look at, and I need to check with staff and so on. And I'm just going to send you back to your unit. And we'll call you back down here when we got a plan figured out. Um, because home is only, you know, a few hundred yards away for them. Um, but um, so you want you want to make sure that you've got someone who can mentor you and be your backup and so on. Because if you, you know, if you're working in a smaller jail, for instance, um, you may be the only, you may be the only healthcare, but there may never be a physician on site. I mean, health, uh, Corrections has really discovered the nurse practitioners. Um 
but again, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't go to work in a clinic where you're the only provider too as a new graduate. Um, that could be very stressful. You want someone that maybe you can work alongside with for a while to to kind of get the ropes and to kind of see you know till you feel a little bit more comfortable. I mean, you do you do want that mentoring. You do want to know also that they've had a nurse practitioner before and that they know what nurse practitioners can do, um, so that they don't put you in a situation you know um, that might be inappropriate for your scope or something like that um, but it is a you know it's a great place for a new graduate again provided you have the right support um, I think one of the other things that's really exciting in terms of you know role development too is that it, as they've been discovering nurse practitioners in correctional facilities and and this goes everywhere everything from psychiatric nurse practitioners to um midwives um and and, you know family nps women's health nps you know all the different aspects is that it gives you a chance also to to be somewhat of a leader um and to help kind of educate them about what we can do and if they know what we can do to start having a voice um, in how things are going, you can have some effect, especially in your smaller places, some effect on policies and so on. Um, at the national organization, we're just now fi- kind of starting to find our voice there as well and realizing even though it's really hard to count us, because again, we're not directly employed by a prison. So it's very, very hard when you try to find out statistics of how many of us work in corrections. Um, it's, it's really, really hard. Um, we're, we're almost invisible. We, we almost sort of are stealth there. But then you go to, like like I said, to a conference and all of a sudden you're meeting nurse practitioners every time you turn around, you know, that a good chunk of our conferences are nurse practitioners. And at the national level, we're starting to have much more of a voice in an organization that was always run by physicians initially. You know, I mean, it's a couple decades old now, you know. Um and we're starting to have some influence on how how things are done, um, getting rid of some of the language, you know, that was in there calling us mid-levels. And, you know, we've, we've kind of managed to get a lot of that out um, in their position statements and so on. It'll now, will you know, include us, not just say the physician, mm-hmm. the physician. Um, and so it's, you know, it's exciting to be on that end of it. Um, we... Um, always encourage nurse practitioners to do presentations and so on. We haven't really had, and we're talking about getting this going, trying to get a little more of them that are geared more towards the nurse practitioner. Because many of the medical topics you go and it's very physician-centric still. Um, but maybe some more nurse practitioner issues. I did the first ever presentation there on um, nurse practitioners or advanced practice nurses and corrections and sort of I had a, actually I had a really good audience it was like managers and administrators and so on kind of explaining who we are what we can do um, many people don't understand we do get leadership in our nurse practitioner programs as well especially if you're a DNP where you're, you're educated in the systems change um, which you know I, I've actually had what uh, um, a student come in um from one of the students that I was, where I teach, come in and do her DNP project in the jails. Um, and so, you know, they could be, my, my whole point of this talk is you could be making a lot more use of us than you are. You've got this whole resource. And I, I think they're finally kind of tuning into that and realizing, you know, hey, I can have them do, you know, some of our um, continuous quality improvement um, I can have them do a, lo- a lot of us do a lot of the um, teaching for the nurses um, because you know they the nursing nursing you know does a lot of the work in corrections and they have to do a lot of assessment and so we'll oftentimes kind of help them hone their assessment skills and some of that um, and so you know we're a real asset that way um, because just by virtue of us being nurses as well, we're so much, we're ready to educate. I mean, that's kind of part of what that we do. That is part of our DNA. Um, yeah. You know, not that physicians can't do that, but we sort of understand the nurse and their boundaries. And you, you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're coming to them with a nursing model, helping them with their nursing model. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really, I found that really exciting, um, that piece to be able to do yeah. that. So um, I'm, like I'm, I, really, I'm really curious when you talked about 
the correctional conference, you know, in, in my mind, of course, I'm thinking a correctional nurse practitioner conference, but this is a conference on corrections that happens to include healthcare providers as well as administrative people. Is that correct? Well, there's actually a couple of health uh, uh, corrections conferences. One includes like your custody people and so on. But the one that I regularly go to is called the National Commission on Correctional Health Care. And the best way I could explain it is that they're not a professional organization like AANP. They're more akin to like JACO for hospitals. Okay. They set guidelines and standards and so on, and they run the conference. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's the one that I'm thinking of. It just sounds like um, and there's there are, so there are, much opportunity for an NP voice there. Oh yes, yes. Um, people don't realize that we have we have actual we have a certification too. I am certified in correctional health care. People don't realize they think, oh, you know, you're just going to a jail and work. But no, it is an actual subspecialty, um, like other subspecialties. And um, yes, there's a lot of opportunity for nurse practitioners. In fact, one of my colleagues, um, who's become a very good friend, and we work on a few things together, she has her own consulting business for correctional health care. And what she will do is sometimes when a someplace perhaps has an issue, um, maybe they've had a bad outcome, something like that, they might have her come in and set up a whole system for them, you know, if, if they don't have a correctional health care company, or maybe the correctional health care company was the problem, there's, you know, there's good and bad and everything, um, she, she will do that, she will consult and she will go in and she'll help them set up a whole program, their charts, their all this type of thing, and, and train the staff that are there. And um, she she makes a nice living. She does some expert witness work as well. Um, she does a lot of speaking. She um, has published, um, helped. There's actual a, a standards for correctional health care that's put up by ANA. She was part of of editing that. Um, she runs a website where she she does education for correctional nurses, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, which is something I've kind of toyed with as well because I do it every year at our state conference. And I've done it sometimes at the national conference as well um, because corrections for nurses, you know, it's the one place where if you're working in a local jail, you might deal with everything from OB to, you know, sickle cell to gunshot wounds to, you know, it's, it's, you don't know what's coming in the door next. We had a guy one time on a ventricular assistive device, <laughs> you know, that you have to know a little bit of everything. And so they, you know, educating correctional health nurses is another entrepreneurial job right. that you could do. Right. Um, so there's certainly mm-hmm. a lot of opportunity to get in, even as yes. a new grad, and to really grow in that area, and also for leadership, for NP leadership. Yes, it yes, sounds, it sounds really good. So, yes, it is. It because it's a relatively, I think, in the whole scheme of things, it's a young profession. I mean, it's been around for a while, but when you think about, you know, obstetrics or something like that, it's it's newer than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's so anytime you're in a profession that's sort of expanding and growing and becoming more visible, there is a lot of opportunities to get involved in committees, um, network with people, mm-hmm. um, just all types of interesting experiences outside of just purely doing clinical. Um, so it's one of the reasons I like it. It's so, so varied. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. And it sounds like for someone who's looking to where do they want to grow, you know, where, where does that yes. new nurse practitioner want to grow up in? This is an mm-hmm. area that has a variety of different places to go and to grow and and to become a leader. So I think that's exciting. Yes, yes. I mean, it even makes me think, hmm, maybe I should look into that. (laughs) I would never have thought of that when I was younger. Um, and starting well, right, right. When I I first entered this field as a nurse practitioner, um, I, you know, I was gung-ho, I want to be, you know, working every day in the clinic and so on. Well, you know, now as I'm starting to look down the, you know, the pathway and I can like see the retirement 
on the horizon at least, <laughs> whereas before it was too far out of sight to see. It gives me a lot of flexibility. I can sit back now and I don't have to do as much clinical. Um, you know, I, I, I feel at this point, my skills in many ways are better utilized helping to bring the next generation along. Um, and so I, I, I really try to do a lot of that, um, either by speaking um, or being involved in, in different activities that they had formerly always thought a physician had to do. Um, you know, I can have an impact that way. And I, I kind of like that pace and to be able to control that a lot more. Now, like I said, as I'm getting, you know, each year I'm getting a little closer to, to retirement and I've been doing clinical for a long time. I enjoy it, but, but I also enjoy maybe some less. Well, being that mentor for, like you said, for the next generation. So Renee, thank you so much for being here. And where can people get a hold of you? They can find me um, through my website um, with the uh, the other activities that I do when I'm not, I always tell people when I'm not in jail, um, is npcareercoach.com. I'm going to have um, the link to your website, but also some of those correctional um, resources that you mentioned on our page at the show notes at npbusiness.com. I so appreciate you coming back and talking with us again. Thanks so much for having me, Barbara. I really, as I said, I really do enjoy this podcast. Thank you. Thanks again. So what do you think? Are you curious about corrections? Yes? No? Why? Leave a comment for me at the blog on npbusiness.com because I'm really curious as to what you think about the whole idea of working in corrections and the idea of working in corrections as an independent contractor, which means you are the business. Thank you once again, Renee, for your time and generosity that you've shared with all of us both previously and again today. And to you, our listeners, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to spend it with us here today and for rating, sharing, and commenting on the podcast. On the show notes at npbusiness.com, I'll have all the information that Renee referenced as well as links to her website and contact information. So that's it for today. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.